Welcome to the MLM.com podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Rollins. In today's episode, we are talking with the CEO and founder of Momentum Factor, Jonathan Gilliam. Momentum Factor specializes in brand protection, compliance monitoring and management, online reputation management, and digital marketing. Jonathan is a business technologist with strong experience in online reputation and social media program management, compliance monitoring, and digital risk management. He has written two books about the industry, and we're grateful to have him on the show today. Uh, Hey, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Uh, Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I was, uh, in preparing for this, I was looking online and saw that your your background isn't uh, all in direct sales, and I, I wanted to start out by, I'm curious how you got into the focusing on the direct selling space. Sure. So I, I, uh, well, I guess I, I could go back to the start of my career. I started out uh, in the internet security space. Um, I had co-founded and was CEO of, a, of an internet security software firm. Uh, later, uh, spent seven years in the anti-fraud and security group at Deloitte Consulting, um, and then somehow landed at a uh, direct seller. I was a co-founder there and the, the chief marketing officer. Uh, I had a background in marketing as well. Um, so I just kind of combined that in. And when I left there in 2009, I founded our firm, uh, Momentum Factor. Give me a little bit of background in, in what you guys specialize in and what are the biggest threats that that uh, direct selling companies are facing today? Well, uh, you know, to answer your first question, we are uh, we're an Internet risk mitigation firm for direct sellers. So uh, all of our work is online and uh, we are in the business of protecting direct sellers from threats that come from all the great work and some of the misguided work that the field does online and others uh, uh, who have an opinion about our industry and such. So we we help manage the internet uh, in terms of compliance for direct sellers. And we also do a lot of reputation management and cleaning up uh, Google results and making those more friendly to people and more accurate for people who visit uh, and want to learn more about our companies in the industry. So we're really about protecting companies online from the various hazards of being in the online world, which of course we're all on, we're all in now. So, Yeah. You know, and, and I first want to touch on, uh, your first point about uh, helping protect companies or helping guide field leaders, because one of the things that we all know is very unique about this industry is that uh, rather than having a sales force uh, that are paid employees, you've got a sales fo- force that are independent uh, consultants, independent distributors. Um, and so a lot of them go out and create their own websites. They've got their own blogs. Um, they obviously have Twitter and Facebook and everything. And a lot of the fallout from the Herbalife settlement and the Vima action that, that they were under from the FTC uh, centers on, you know, income claims and lifestyle representations. And in talking to, to company executives, that can just be such a daunting task to say, hey, how, how are we to control uh, what our field is doing? Um, and and I've heard you speak a couple of times, and that's really where where you guys come in. How what tools are out there that make this a manageable thing, or or how do you give guidance to to executives in in how they can work with their field? Well, you know, the the, the you're right. It's a really daunting challenge, and the reason uh, reason for our flagship product called Field Watch is is we are uh, in the business of watching your field, and uh, there really aren't a lot of great tools for that. I mean, there are social listening platforms, 
there are, uh, um, you know, you can go to Google and look around for violations of compliance, but the internet's a really big place and it's really hard to manage all of the things that hundreds of thousands of reps can say about your company or about your product. And, uh, you know, the corporate headquarters is on the hook for whatever the field says. So if the field says this product will cure your disease or this, uh, opportunity will make you $10,000 a month, um, that's illegal. And the company is, needs to know about it and needs to manage that uh, through its own compliance and legal processes. So, so our, our software helps companies find those violations and then triage them into a manageable queue that they can then uh, build uh, into a case manager. And so um, we kind of make that process and that search functionality a, sort of a one-stop shop, if you will. I think you touched on something that a lot of people don't really fully understand is that you are on the hook for what your leaders are saying um, and that you can't just say ah, it, it's the Internet. It's a big place. People say a lot of crazy stuff, which we all know is true, uh, but they're saying that crazy stuff about your company. Um, when you're working with uh, clients and leaders in the industry, is there training that, that you recommend or, or how do you recommend people work with their field? Uh, to try to get ahead of it? You know, that, that's a big question. You know, that's come up a lot more in, in recent uh, months. You know, we've, we've the, the, the initial focus is all about finding those violators who are, who are doing things that put the company at risk. Now, how do we prevent them from putting the company at risk? You know, most of the violations that happen online, the incidents that happen are, are, are from new people who just don't know better. They don't have any ill will. They're not uh, ill-intended. They just want to do the right thing, and they're excited about their, their opportunity. They're excited about what the product has done for them, and they want to post it. They just don't know um, what's right and what's wrong. It's, it's, it gets very legal at some point, right? And so the person's saying, hey, this is my experience. I want to share it. Well, you can't really do that if it violates the law. So, um, so really, a lot of that now is coming to training. So we're actually developing a new training course here that's going to be integrated with the FieldWorks system, and uh, we're real excited about that. We've just been working on that in the last few months. And, um, but there are lots of training, uh, systems out there. Uh, ours will be more specific than those and, and, um, not, not serving the same function. Uh, but the other ones out there are, there are courses you can take and certifications you can take, uh, that can help, uh, a new person or even a leader, someone who's been around for a while, you know, understand, you know, what it is they can and can't say and what it is they can and can't do online. It is becoming a much more, um, uh, heavily monitored and, and litigated area, and uh, so as we know from the last few years. So I don't know if you have any uh, empirical data to, to back this up, but I'd be curious, just your gut feel, are you seeing bigger issues with lifestyle and income claims or product claims um, and, and more dealing with the efficacy or, or the treatments and things like that? They are both uh, really uh, rampant if you will, online. Um, lifestyle, you know, hey, I've got this house, I've got this boat, I bought my new car today. You know, even I can work at home as a stay-at-home mom is a lifestyle claim. And uh, it's not legal to say that online and, and to promote your opportunity. So that's what, you know, that, that's, you know, that's pretty specific and uh, pretty tight in terms of regulations and what you can and can't do. Um, but product claims as well. I mean, there are lots of uh, great products out there that people have really good experiences with that they really believe in that if they tell online or in a social post or in a blog, this is how this helped me. It cured my fibromyalgia or it helped me with my arthritis. 
um, those are illegal things to say too, and the company could really get in a lot of trouble for that. And we've seen that uh, in the marketplace in the last few years. Companies getting warning letters from the FDA, um, actions. Uh, so um, it's just really important from a consumer behavior perspective and consumer protection perspective uh, to really watch what we say online uh, from the distributor standpoint and from the company standpoint. Do you guys give any guidance or, or work with legal teams to help people understand what they can say? I mean, uh, if somebody uses a particular product and, and they feel better, is there a way that they can put that out there that is not uh, harmful to the company? Yeah, there's you know uh, there are great lawyers in this in the industry who understand um, the limits of what you can say. It is very specific, although the the, the regulations can be very vague. Um, the 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 things that can be said are specific, and there are lists of words, certain words that can be used, and certain words that cannot be used. Um, and um, so, uh, you know, t- typically, you know, it, it's illegal to. Uh, offer up a product that has not been started, has not been approved by the FDA as something that can cure any type of disease or malady. Um, it's called a disease claim. And so if you, um, uh, if you post out there, you know, this, this helps me with my pain. Well, pain is a, a flag keyword with the FDA. Discomfort is not. So it gets down to these real um, specific words that can and can't be said in advertising, which is what we're all doing with these products when we talk about our experiences. Um, and, uh, and so there are ways to uh, follow that. Now, usually the company has a good idea of that, especially if you're in the nutritional space. Uh, the company's already consulted with FDA lawyers, and they know what those, um, uh, those claims are. So if I were in the field, I would just defer to what the company has said on their main webpage, on their own social media and use those words. That's really kind of the safest thing you can do because the company has been pretty, is usually very um, um, uh, interested in making sure they don't violate the law from the company perspective, of course. Uh, not always the case, but um, but certainly uh, following that guidance is, is, is an easy way to say, okay, I can't say um, any of these disease words. I can only say discomfort made me feel better during the day. I feel be- better as a, as when I wake up in the morning, those kinds of things. Yeah, and I think that goes back to to what we talked about a little bit earlier where the companies need to be proactive in, in creating the training because uh, like you mentioned, you get a lot of new people who are, are very excited about a product that they're using um, or even an opportunity that they're a part of and, and having that training early on that can help uh, give them guidance as to what they can and can't say it uh, sounds like that can save you a lot of pain down the road. That's true. I mean, uh, it, it's all about education, enforcement, training, and repeating, right? Because, because there's always new people coming into an opportunity, and those people have not yet been trained. If you're waiting until your annual convention to train up your team, um, then you're missing a lot of people through the year who've come on and come off uh, who haven't got that training. The other thing is most companies are really interested in market training and business development training and helping you understand how to build your business because that's where the revenue comes from. Uh, and so very often compliance training is, you know, second fiddle to that um, in that, you know, the, the resources, the creativity all go into the business building side of the business. And uh, what we want to do is help companies um, uh, implement training that works with people who really need it, which A, is new people, and secondly, is people who have already violated the compliance terms of the, uh, their agreements. 
Um, so uh, that that's something that we're kind of running with in terms of let's put the training where it needs to be had, which is uh, in the hands of people who really need it. So, um, but yeah, I think training is really important. But you know, making sure that you make you you enforce compliance across your field is, uh, I think, equally as important because that's where regulators are looking. They're looking on social media. They're looking on Google. They're looking for the, uh, you know, the, the one out there who's saying, I cured my cancer with this energy drink. Don't you want to use it too? And uh, that is a really, really risky thing. But they're, they're out there. They use the same tools anybody else does when they're searching out um, our direct selling industry products and, and, uh, and services. So, um, it's really important to do the enforcement. It's really important for the education, it's really important for training, certifying those kinds of things. Um, all of that, it kind of builds the defense around the risk of the company. Yeah. Well, and I think you also make a good point in, in how enforce, important enforcement is uh, because that also is going to, you know, things like that can become uh, kind of, they can get a momentum behind them where if you're not enforcing it and a couple people start making those claims, that can spread throughout your field really quickly. Whereas the reverse is true. If, if, if you're doing a good job of helping to train people, but then also as people step out of line, correcting them, not necessarily in, in a punitive way, but you know, recognizing that people for the most part do have good intentions and working with them there, that can make a, a big difference, I'm sure, as well, because uh, you create a culture of compliance. Yeah, and that's, that's something that we're seeing some really innovative companies do. They're, they're building this culture of compliance. Um, uh, we had an event in January with um, uh, where Al Bala, the CEO of Manitech, was the MC, and uh, he gave the first talk that day and uh, talked about how they have made uh, a com- culture of compliance actually attractive as one of their sales points, not just hey, don't do these things, we have a culture of compliance, more of a, hey, I can present you my opportunity and understand that we have a culture of compliance and that helps re- sustain your business, that helps protect your business rather than something you just kind of have to do as an afterthought. So they've really integrated um, uh, the the idea that, that compliance is a strategic advantage and not just this kind of uh, thing, oh gosh, I have to go take my certification course. Um, and they've integrated. They brought in the sales team and the marketing team to really kind of understand how that can be an advantage for the company. So, I think what they've done has been really amazing. Yeah, no, I appreciate that insight because I think that that is very important. I want to switch gears with you for the last few minutes that we've got. Uh, and you know, we've talked a lot about uh, kind of within the industry um, how to handle reputation and and compliance and things like that. It's an interesting time right now because we're getting a lot of pressure from outside of the industry. Uh, and in mm-hmm. fact, I, I was on uh, your guys' website, momofactor.com, and, and learned something that, that I had no idea. I saw that uh, AMC is looking to do a show uh, about a woman who basically is involved in a scam, if I understand it correctly. And they've got Kristen Dunst, and I think it's uh, produced by George Clooney. Uh, what are you guys seeing from from kind of threats to the reputation of the industry from outside of the industry? Uh, you know, what we're seeing is that those threats are really kind of almost at a, a many-decade high. Uh, you've got Tina.org out there that has really uh, challenged the industry on the compliance side and on the reputation side. Uh, you've got the recent John Oliver uh, takedown, which was a good hour-long 
uh, diatribe against the industry. Um, you've got this new documentary, that, or not documentary, this uh, new dr- uh, dr- dramatic comedy, I guess, that Kirsten Dunst is in um, that's going to be a series on a, a what a what a pyramid scheme did to her not not a direct selling business but you know most people can't really make easily make that uh distinction without a lot of education but so you've got these press these things happening in the public eye that are really challenging you've got the whole herbalife thing with the short sellers and the and the, and the bad press there um so you know we've never really seen at least in our you know few collectively few decades in this business um, the uh, this kind of uh, vitriol around the business, and really, you know, it's affecting a lot of people who really have a, a a wonderful business with wonderful products that they they bring people into and introduce to, and um, and you know the way the the wonderful great companies in this industry and this channel work is by really uh, helping people, and that's the basic basis of what we do. But then you have outliers or maybe bad actors who um, really kind of uh, give the industry a bad name. And uh, then you start to see that bubble up in the culture. I think the the cultural issues that we're dealing with right now from a reputation standpoint are more important than anything happening. Um, I think um, once you get into pop culture with John Oliver and and an AMC movie and, and other things, you really start to erode the credibility of the industry in general. So I think it's really incumbent on the industry to to um, protect its name, to protect uh, its image. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, the, we should go out and buy a bunch of ads talking about how great the industry is. I think it starts at home. It starts with our reputations online. It starts with cleaning up our Google results. It starts with educating our field and what they can and can't do online and what they should and shouldn't do online, even outside of compliance. Maybe it's, should I go respond to this blog and tell them how I really feel about my company uh, so I can counter all this negativity. Well, there are reasons to do that and reasons to not do that. And so I think as an industry or as a channel, we need to understand how to protect our own companies, which will then uh, protect the rest of the business, uh, the rest of the channel. Um, so it's a, it's a collective effort, but it starts at home and, and making sure that our fields understand it, that our corporate offices understand how to protect ourselves uh, from a reputational standpoint. Uh, because if you know if, if 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 we if we have a field that's out there doing things that they shouldn't be doing, saying things they shouldn't be saying, it's going to be picked up into the culture and it's going to seep in, and you're going to have start to have a lot harder time recruiting people, a lot harder time selling products. You you know your your Facebook uh, feed and posts will be uh, unfollowed and unread because you're just another one of those people trying to sell me something, uh, rather than doing all the good things that we do. Yeah. And- you know, I appreciate that take because I, I, I 100% agree with you. I think uh, the direct selling space is a wonderful channel that can do a lot of good and does do a lot of good. You know, at the heart of most of these products and most of these opportunities is uh, the desire to help people. And mm-hmm. I, and I'm sure sure you see this firsthand, meeting with the executives and meeting with leaders, it is something that they're passionate about is is helping people. Um but I, I think you you really gave some great insight there in how we as an industry, it, it all starts with us. If we do a good job of helping to train our field and then monitor the field and, and 
and make sure they're acting in a compliant way, uh, it takes away a lot of the ammunition that people have. And, and there have been some bad actors over the years, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I think it really just, like you said, is incumbent upon us uh, to make sure that, that we're working in a way uh, that, that doesn't give ammunition to, to pop culture for things like, uh, yeah, John Oliver's take and things like that. And, and, and let the actions of our, our field and our company speak for themselves and, and be proactive in that. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Kenny. I think that, uh, you know, this all, all of the compliance and the reputational and the risk areas of direct selling can be solved by us, can be solved by the channel itself. We don't need regulators itself to do it. We can do it. And, um, you know, that's, that's the struggle that we're in now is that we have regulators, regulators fencing us in and telling us, you know, from their perspective what we should be doing. And that really limits our ability to do the great work that we do uh, when outsiders who don't understand our channel come in and tell us how to do it. We understand it. And so I think it's just really incumbent upon us, upon the associations, uh, upon the corporate entities to really you know, put their money where their mouth is and really uh, fight to retain the, the, the great work that we do in this channel. It's, I, I, you know, again, I think right now is a, is a, is a critical moment, which you know, we haven't seen in, in the lifetime of this firm, and most of us haven't seen since the 70s. And so um, I think now is the time for people to really uh, understand what they need to do to keep the channel safe, and that's watching our field, and responding and making sure that what we do that is always going to be public now that we're all online is um, is of an honorable and honest nature and, and it uh, appeals to the greater good. You know, I really, I appreciate that insight. And I know uh, we're, we're close out of time. I appreciate your time. Um, I want to get your one last thought from you in what do you see that, that's the most exciting thing going on in the industry right now? And where do you think we'll be in the next couple of years? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think um, I think as far as next couple of years, I think the wheels have been set in motion for tighter regulation on the industry. Um, I think the Viva, Viva and Herbalife agreements are settled, and the FTC has their marching orders. You know, there are lots of rumors about what Trump will do. Maybe the deregulation will help us, that sort of thing. But the regulatory fix is in, and the people at FTC and FDA are going to continue to do their work. They still have their jobs. They might have a little bit different guidance at the top, um, but they, they have their, their orders, which have come from the recent agreements. Um, you know, the danger to this channel is complacency, right? You know, some companies tend to put their heads in the sand or they wait till the first soldier drops, right, in this business. Uh, well, I'd say it's already happened. You know, two soldiers have dropped and there are more to come. Uh, so we have to be uh, vigilant and, again, in protecting. Um you know, to answer the other part of your question, I think the most exciting thing from this renewed focus on um, on uh, on us is that a we're being challenged, right? We're being challenged by regulators, being challenged by outsiders to be better, um, and they're challenging us to focus on our customers, right? That's what we're here to do. We're not just commission plan builders. You know, we're innovators, we're product experts, we're problem solvers. Uh, and we're blessed with it still, even with all the technology disruption that's happened out there. Um, you know, we have a very relevant sales channel with which to grow our businesses and improve lives and, and, and help others. And, you know, it's truly remarkable the, the opportunity we have. Now, if we can focus on customers and products, I already feel the shift happening among 
even you know the really big MLM companies, the really big network marketing companies that are really about building their plan, they're, they're starting to focus on building more customers. You know, they're changing their commission plans. Uh, I think that's exciting because what you have there is better products, more innovative products that people really want to buy. Uh, and so the, the shift is happening. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I, I, I appreciate that because I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, while it can be a little bit intimidating to have that, that focus of regulators and pop culture on us, I do think it gives us a challenge but also an opportunity to really shine and to come out of this uh, and have people better aware of, of mm-hmm. some of the great elements of network marketing. And, you know, my focus in my career day to day is compensation plans. And so people think, oh, well, does this bother you that there's so much negative focus? And really the answer is no. I'd rather see us focused on the products and on helping people. And, and I understand as well as anybody that the compensation plan is very important. Uh, but, but really, at, at the end of the day, we need to be an industry uh, that's helping people, that's providing quality products to, to cu- customers who want them. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll continue to innovate and help people to, uh, you know, uh, drive their their desire to be entrepreneurs. Uh, but but that needs to be the forefront of the industry is is the products and the innovations um, and using the power of peer to peer selling. Yep, and that that's one of the things that really is the bright spot is the is the 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 social media world that we're in has just been tailor-made for what we do and if we don't screw it up with a bunch of false claims or reputational risk uh or just over posting and over communicating to people we really have a chance to leverage that and and we have leveraged it uh into what is just really a new channel um you know we we didn't sell like this 10 years ago and now we do so i think that's that's really exciting and where that takes us who knows but uh I'm glad uh, you and I will be there for the ride, Kenny. Exactly. <laughs> well, I thank you for your time, Jonathan. Uh, people can check out your website at momofactor.com, and, and we appreciate you making the time for us. Yeah, thanks so much, and uh, let's do it again whenever you're ready. Okay, thanks, Jonathan. Okay, thanks, Kenny. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us for today's episode of the MLM.com podcast. You can support us by rating us on iTunes or reaching out through MLM.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and the issues you would like to hear addressed. Also, a special thanks to Jonathan for his time and expertise. And a thanks to the MLM.com editorial staff for their support, especially Jana Bangeter and Adam Holdaway for their production support. I'm Kenny Rollins and hope you'll join us next time.